I rest happy that I know that I'm not just content, but I am fulfilled by my time as Grand Prix and as a council member. You're listening to the Teak Nation podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we hope to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from members of our fraternity. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Welcome to part two of our podcast with Venerable Grand Preetness Chris Hansen. We've talked about your your collegiate experience and, and your volunteer experience and moving on to the Grand Council. Let's get to the meat of what I'm sure a lot of people wanted to join us here and talk about. That's especially the the last two years. Let's let's go to 2017 and and we're in New Orleans and how did you prepare being the Grand FI Preetness and coming in to the nominations committee? How did you prepare for the opportunity to be interviewed and to share why you should be the Grand Preetness? I'll tell you, it was a, uh, an awesome experience and, and one that all of my predecessors would uh, recall, I think, uh, as much. Uh, so when you run for the council, clearly you're running for a seat at the table to be a part of the conversations. So you have visions, you have ambitions that you'd like the organization to do. When you run for Grand Preetness, you're running to be the person that sets the agenda to set the vision on what the next two years can and should be about. So there's a, there's a bit more uh, you know, magnitude and gravity there that comes into that. So as the previous biennium had, had proceeded along, uh, serving, um, I think, to the best of my abilities as Grand Epi Preetness uh, under PGP now, uh, Rod Talbot, as the biennium kind of proceeds along, you start to generate your, your thoughts. Where are we headed? Uh, if it's going to be me, to, to succeed and take that, that Grand Preetness seat, where, do, where should we go? Uh, and so I had started to capture a series of, of thoughts, uh, you know, keeping notes on my iPhone, capturing inspiration, uh, quotes, things that I knew that I, I might want to say as part of my vision, but also as part of my grand inaugural opportunity uh, you know, at that, that banquet at Conclave. And how many times did that change? How many times did you oh, go? Oh, I tell you, I was writing <laughs> that up How many until, versions of yeah. this did we go through? Yeah, there were, there were a number of things that I knew I wanted to be in there, like sound bites, things that definitely had to be a part of it that I knew I wanted to stand on. But then how do you piece those together and how do you make sure that it's in a time period where you still capture everyone's attention? Uh, how do you deliver it? How do you say the things the way you want them to be heard uh, and have a presence about yourself? So a lot of that, you know, for, for months leading in what was part of my, uh, my ambition and, and some of the things I was doing. So some things that I, you know, undoubtedly expect that, you know, the current Grand Epi Preetness Jim Hickey is, is likely doing as this summer proceeds that we're heading into uh, our conclave opportunity down in Orlando at the beginning of August. You discussed the feeling uh, back in 2007 of being elected on the Grand Council and standing on the stage and the view and, and it, almost overwhelming, overtaking, as it would any of us, that, that amazing experience of first coming on the council. Compare and contrast that to being handed that gavel by Rod Talbot. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, the gavel is, it's not a, a small gavel that you would use at a typical board meeting. It is a, an enlarged, ga- it is a large gavel. It's, you're a very tall man. It's, it's about half your body, and it's <laughs> about 30 pounds or so, that gavel. Take us inside. What, what did that feel like when you were handed that gavel and that view that you had looking out? Oh, I tell you, it, it, it's, uh, it's right up there with the, the most amazing opportunities and emotions I think you can have to, to get that power, that, that awesome responsibility, and to know, uh, hopefully, that you've prepared well for this, 
uh, and that you are up to the task to, to go ahead and lead a team of colleagues who are the best at what they can do as well and bring people together and, and that it's not just about you. So if my perspective is, you know, my time as Grand Prix and this hasn't been about me. It, it's been about the organization, about the council, about um, preparing, you know, in, in like a succession plan opportunity for this opportunity of the council to proceed without me. So uh, in 2017, you know, on the 10 year anniversary of becoming a council member, uh, it, it was a happy time to, to know that, uh, you know, there was work to do and we were gonna start it and, and, and let's go. Uh, and then of course, as the biennium proceeds, it's, it's, it's that same mentality to make the most of every opportunity and, and to not just, you know, cut things short uh, unnecessarily. And then to be able to deal with things as they pop up and roll through and, and how do you, you be thorough and, and address the current and, and need, evolving needs of the organization. But certainly also that opportunity to say, okay, part of what my, my role is is to make sure everyone else is prepared for, for continuance to go on and do even bigger and greater things than, than I have been able to uh, try to achieve as well on the council. You know, we all stand on each other's shoulders. And so uh, hopefully, you know, my six foot three frame can, can help to, uh, to boost <laughs> my, my uh, successors. Talk about the difference, the skills that, that you've had to evolve or grow or possibly utilize being the Grand Preakness versus being a jeweled officer, being that at large member. You talked about the difference even in how, prep, how you prepared for Conclave. Talk about the difference in the skill set because I think that if you're a collegiate member listening to this conversation and you're thinking about running for Preakness, I think there's a lot of similarities of you see the person in that seat and the responsibilities and it seems, okay, I got a good feel for what that could look like. Talk about what you think it could look like to what it really has been like for the last two years and some of the, the ways you've had to attack uh, different issues being in your chair versus the perspectives that some of the some of your the folks on the council have shared. Oh, absolutely. So as you proceed through the various seats on the Grand Council, you, you have roles to play. You're either a committee chairman uh, or a general member at large. And so the, the, the biggest responsibility for you is to be prepared for conversation, to bring a perspective and to make sure you're having a good thorough analysis or debate. Uh, to really drive the decision process and make sure we're covering our bases. And as you proceed into some of the higher leadership seats on the Grand Council, your responsibility grows because you're overseeing the development of the budget, for example, uh, or you're running the committee that helps to develop the board as a whole uh, to help recommend people for nomination to vacancies or the at-large opportunities uh, and the like. So there's a series of very important responsibilities that come through in the, in the different seats on the Grand Council. And as I've come to learn, when you are the sitting Grand Preakness, there's an even greater magnitude of things that come to play because now you are trying to harness all of those inputs, bring them together, uh, potentially anticipate where good conversations could go or where challenges might rise. And so you're trying to uh, either lay the groundwork or counsel people and bring things together to make sure that at the end of the day, whatever the target is that you're trying to achieve, that you're prepared to at least get there with a suitability that really has considered everyone's various perspectives. Because you don't want people to be bobbleheads, to just be on the board, um, to, to you know go along with whatever the chair, uh, in my case, the Grand Preakness, thinks everybody should be doing. So my mentality has been to really make sure it is a full Grand Council opinion and effort to really cultivate that to make sure it's a decision of the whole 
And with that, like most things in life, you get your best decisions because you have people that have come uh, to the table and been elected or appointed for very particular reasons. Uh, and, and my approach, uh, encouraging people to run and helping to select the at-larges, it was with an intention. What is it they're bringing to the table? What's their perspectives? What are we missing? And then how do you, you know, consider the puzzle pieces together and make the most of whatever that, that picture can be? I, in the seat that I've been lucky enough to sit in next to you in these in these <laughs> meetings for the past two years, I, I would say two skills that I've really seen uh, you put on display very well is uh, patience and communication. It, would, would you agree with that? And highlight that a little bit as, as a big difference in terms of being the person running running the organization. Uh, I would, and, and that was a conscious uh, decision, uh, an intentional one uh, on my behalf. Uh, coming into the opportunity. Again, I could have led with an iron fist and said, this is what we're going to do. Everybody fall in place. Let's do it. But that's not, you know, potentially the best effective leadership style to use on a grand council, on a board like that. So really, it was more of a patient, open communication. And even to an extent, you know, I'll use this word, making myself vulnerable in the opportunities to really put myself out there to make things personal uh, family-oriented even, because it's not just a team of colleagues. Much like our, our chapter experiences grow to become the Grand Council from biennium to biennium becomes the same thing. Uh, it's an experience that you, got, you grow such strong bonds with those frauders, and then naturally, as I anticipate, you miss it when you, you move on to your next opportunity. Uh, but certainly, that has been my approach. It, it's really, really making sure that you know, data is brought into the conversation. Of course, as a scientist, you always want <laughs> more right. data, but you can't always wait to get all the data you think would be perfect for that decision. So you have to make the, de the, the best decisions and conversations and discussions with the information you have, the best information at hand. Uh, and so then with that, another part of my role has been to analyze and try to be ahead of those conversations, reaching out to, to people outside our organization to university administrators or some of the peer international presidents out there, seeing what has been affecting their organizations, especially as we've been looking at the, the big culture challenges uh, and the societal demands that have rapidly evolved on us and how we're all individually trying to, to meet those changes, but then also how can we collectively be part of a, uh, a leadership opportunity, multi-organizational leadership opportunity uh, to get those changes. And then bringing that back, like, how do we make sure that our organization is ready to take, uh, you know, big steps towards, you know, different things that we want to do and positioning and, and understanding that that's not a one meeting conversation and decision. Absolutely. That's something that is cultivated and stretched out over months, if not years, to make sure that the big decisions, which come across very heavy, uh, have been very thoroughly weighed and decided upon. So that's a great that's a great segue. Uh, one of the largest accomplishments I would say during your tenure is is the hard alcohol ban that that went into place at the beginning of 2019, and a decision of that magnitude, as you said, is is not a one meeting conversation. Can you highlight for for those listening what went into that decision and and the the tedious steps that were taken before? You know, obviously our membership in the world just sees the announcement; it gets put out there and people have assumptions about, did they think, did they ask folks what, walk through all of the work that went into that decision? So that really was um, uh, an example of a multi-month, year and a half plus long process 
of, of deciding that action needed to be considered, rolling out the different steps to do it, reaching out to different stakeholders, you know, outside our organization, but internally positioning uh, and hearing the voices uh, of, of, you know, you, Donnie, our senior staff, some of our key important leading volunteers, the council members, what are the committee perspectives from the council to each of their subject matter areas uh, that factor into a decision of that magnitude. And really, as the dialogue and the approach to that went through, it wasn't, this is the end game we want to achieve, how do we get there? It was, what is the culture of our organization? What do we need to do to make sure that the future that we have for our members is positioned to the best of our abilities based upon what's confronting us today and what the future trends look like they're going to be? And then deciding, okay, well, what are the actions that we can consider to actually improve our organization or position us appropriately? And then pairing those down and deciding, well, what's approachable, what's not? Uh, to what extent do we want to take our actions? Are there steps? Are there phases? And really seeing. And then, you know, the council through that, after about a year, had something to take to additional internal fraternity stakeholders. So that's when we went to, like, the Alumni Volunteer Academy and and I spoke um, to our, our participants there and really captured feedback uh, and collected their important thoughts. And, uh, you know, the reach out calls to the regions for the chapter Preet and I or their delegates that I know you, Donnie, and staff had done, that very important feedback we got. And the council listened and heard and interpreted and considered all of that, as well as, you know, other, other key factors, uh, other organizations out there that have either uh, advocacy perspective or legal perspective, uh, how are we considering those aspects? And really it came in, and then you know the council created a, uh, a narrowed down focus, uh, and then from there we decided that there was a particular action that would position us now to be better moving forward and to also have a leadership opportunity to help make that decision ahead of what I at least knew that our peers had been considering, that uh, universities had been starting to do on their own, so then it really became an important part of what Teak's history has been about, what our organization has stood for, to be revolutionary in some of our decisions, to make decisions about the quality of men and the type of organization we want to be, and not to just simply be an existent organization that responded to changes as they were forced upon us. Yeah, and I think that obviously no, no one would really know unless you were in the middle of some of those conversations is you, you spent a lot of time with our peers and talking to them about what are they seeing and, and what are some directions they want to go? Not in a, we're going to necessarily do what they do, but in a, let's, let's get all the information possible uh, and the time and energy that you took into that single-handedly to drive and to talk to the leaders of those organizations, I think. And that went over months, d- meetings and meals and different things, as well as you serve as a, a board member for, for our insurance company, for James R. Favor, and the amount of time you spent with those folks about what is, the, what is the best path forward that our members can still enjoy their social environment. We want them to have that experience. It is so vital. It's in our mission, that part of their social development, but to do it in a safe way so that they can come back and have another event the next day and everybody right can go home safely and, and we can continue to spread the fraternalism that, that Teak presents. Without a doubt. And also, you know, uh, understanding that we considered multiple perspectives uh, for the implication of the decision that we thought we were going to make. And it wasn't just how do we eliminate risk from our portfolio. It wasn't just, you know, you know where, where do we think there's an easy decision to, to draw. It came down really to, you know, what is the safety for our members? 
Uh, how are we improving upon what we say the experience is supposed to be about? And then also, naturally, how we make sure that our organization continues to exist and to grow and thrive on a chapter basis. Because as we had looked at some of the internal sort of autopsy, if you will, analysis of the, you know, the previous four years at that point, what were the reasons for the closures of our groups, the failures that some of our members have encountered, and what led to those potentially poor decisions? And then how do we improve that situation? And really that was um, a good factor in our conversation as well. So those three things coming together, it became increasingly clear that we needed to do something significant not necessarily drastic, but certainly something that would cause us to shift into the next chapter of our fraternal organization's history uh, with intention. Well, autopsy, as you put it, it's a very, a very good term. I think that for any leaders out there, potential leaders, one thing to take from, from that process is that you as a, the Grand Preetness and, and the Grand Council didn't just look at, here's all the things we're doing great. Let's just keep doing those things. And yeah, there's some there's some items over here that we're not particularly proud of, but let's just focus on all the good stuff we're doing because it's very easy for leaders and organizations and chapters, right, companies, anything to, to do that, to just look at all the things we're doing well. Let's stay positive. Let's not talk about anything that, that, that's challenging or negative. And uh, you all really stepped up and said we want to address this so that we can be even greater than we already are. Let's talk about Leadership Academy as we are, we are here, and you touched on it briefly. I want to, once again, try to bring people into the moment. Coming back last year for the first time in how many years had it had been? So let's see, last year was 2018. It had been 10 years since I had uh, appeared at a uh, Leadership Academy. So that First time here in Colorado so Springs, correct? it would have been my first time here in Colorado Springs okay. since I had moved here because the previous occasion was the uh, 2008 Academy. That was the one year it was held um, in, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, okay. So, so take us inside, uh, coming back, you're the Grand Preakness. For folks who don't know, uh, it's, it's become a, a, a tradition now that the Grand Preakness comes and he gives a, a fireside address and, and says a few words and, and then takes questions, has some great Q&A dialogue. Talk about that experience of coming back and all, I'm sure, the memories that flooded into your mind of, <laughs> of yourself as a young collegiate member and now you're seeing um, these wide-eyed, fired up guys who who want to sit and learn from you i tell you it was an amazing experience and one that i'm looking forward to continuing here in this academy as well the academy experience is transformational and it's one that you never forget uh it certainly has has been one that you know when i went through in the summer of 99 leadership academy 10 provided lessons for me that set my stage for development but also approaches to personal leadership that i wanted to consider uh, and utilize in, in ways when they were needed moving forward. So to come back to the academy as Grand Preakness uh, and really having the magnificent uh, opportunity to have the fireside chat where everyone, you know, everyone's eyes are on you. How do you build a, a message that is meaningful, impactful, but also at the same time, a message that isn't the same type of one you have at your other speaking opportunities? And so for me, the true approach to a fireside here is to give these men, uh, the 72 men that, that uh, come to the academy now, the opportunity to, to know you at a personal level. So to be open, to be vulnerable, to really explain stuff that you wouldn't, you know, uh, as a speaker at an RLC or at Conclave or at a 
anniversary event or chartering event, uh, the various other ones that as a grand council member or a grand preness have had the opportunity to do. Those all have had certain perspectives because of the, the intent of those events. The academy is one, which is about self-discovery, development, and setting your, your personal self on a trajectory for magnificent opportunities to come. So coming in as Grand Preetness and as an academy graduate, remembering what it was like to sit in those seats, to want to just soak in everything, that's, that's a unique opportunity. You know, what stories do you tell? How do you connect the dots on things? What are the challenges that you issue that thinking, you know, two, five, ten years from now, someone who uh, is in that particular audience is going to remember and maybe jazz them up that day or inspire them to become a volunteer or a dad or a career professional or someone in their community that steps up. Because as we know, leadership is action. It's a conscious decision to engage. It's not just a title and being forced into a situation. And leadership in all aspects of life, not just our organization, but wherever you find yourself. Uh, and so to that, in a nutshell, that's what I try to do. And so it, you also try to be time relevant. Yeah, just uh, do all that in, in 15 uh, to 20 correct, minutes, right? <laughs> correct. So it, and, and naturally, like everything else, it goes by in a flash. Uh, and, and you hope that uh, uh, everything you put into it, the thoughts you've had, were expressed uh, in, in a way that was received well uh, and that the audience appreciates that opportunity for you. Another major milestone during your tenure is the rechartering of your home chapter at, That's true. at George Washington University. Can you talk about how cool is that experience to be the chief installing officer to, to head the chartering banquet while you're Grand Preakness for your home chapter? It, it doesn't matter what level you are in the fraternity. Everybody has a place in their heart for their home chapter and where they join the fraternity, whether you joined as a collegiate member or if you joined as an honorary member. I know uh, my father joined as an honorary member here at the academy, so the academy means a lot. He still likes to come back and volunteer in, in that role, and we have a number of folks who have joined as honorary members, the Grand Chapter, who are involved at Leadership Academy. But talk about your home chapter and what that process was like uh, and that experience serving as they came back and now are a chartered group again in the fraternity. Uh, I tell you, the heartstrings get tugged at significantly in, in that opportunity. And, and also touching on that note about honorary memberships. You know, So for me, coming out of the Alpha Pi chapter at George Washington University, we've had some pretty large honorary members that have been a part of the organization's history. So I'm serving as Grand Preakness, following in the shoes and the footsteps of R.C. Williams, who served for five years, I think, as Grand Preakness through one of the most influential and impactful time periods of our organization's history coming out of World War II. And really, how do you get back into growth? Uh, that, that has been uh, an amazing opportunity for me to, to strive to, to reach you know, some level of uh, legacy that, that might somehow uh, be meaningful as such down the yeah, line. Yeah, many people so, don't know. R.C. Williams essentially saved the fraternity during coming out of World War II. We yep. hardly had any members. We hardly had any chapters. People are coming back from war. And he was determined to, to rebuild the organization at that point. All the sacrifices we had made for the country to get through to get through war and obviously right. uh, to be successful and, and to rebuild. He really, he was a catalyst to make that happen. And, and I believe it was one of his decisions for the headquarters to really take a firm shape and to create traveling staff. Correct. To go out there to resurrect closed chapters, to get that teak spirit thriving again. 
all from someone who came in as an honorary member, as a you know public health service um, commissioned core person that really you know went on to become assistant surgeon general and all of that. So for him to understand the meaning and the impact of our organization with the, I would say, limited experience that he had had with our organization to that time really meant that he was standing on principles and values and really driving for intentional reasons, not just fondness for, for the days of, of his collegiate times. So stepping back to your question then, so for me, you know, that, that has been part of my, um, you know, psyche about how I would approach being a Grand Preetness from the Alpha Pi chapter. So then naturally, in the days that uh, my chapter ha- had grown and proceeded through our, our chapter history, you know, we hit an opportunity where, where things did spiral out of control and go down uh, in a very negative fashion, meaning we had to close the group. And that was a very dark day for me and, and the folks involved with that opportunity. But then three years later, we had the opportunity to recolonize, to reopen with the support of the university. Uh, and my challenge to those very first men and to the staff members like Mitt Kimball, who had the gargantuan responsibility to reopen the Grand Preetness's home chapter. Absolutely. And so, Nick, you did a great job. You know, that opportunity for those men to be recruited, to be men of character and power and, and, and you know, accountability, to really set the stage for the next iteration of, of our home chapter. My challenge to them was to do everything they could to grow, to meet the expectations, the checklist items, and to be positioned to recharter before I left office so that I could be part of the opportunity to give them the charter back, uh, not just the new one, but the original one, which sits in my garage. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to you know how, how the rest of the summer plays out because we had our our reinstallation chartering uh, opportunity. Uh, and I was very proud and privileged to, to have uh, the opportunity to help lead that as the chief installing officer. It's a memory that I'll carry with me forever. And one that was a special opportunity, I think, for the, the collegiates and the alumni that we were able to bring in for both of those two days. And then, uh, like every chartering opportunity throughout a biennium, you have to go to Conclave to get your official recharter or your first charter if, if you're a brand new right. uh, group to our organization. So in August, uh, among the emotions that will come through for concluding my time uh, as Grand Preetness for this biennium, I will have the opportunity to give the charter to the, uh, the very fine frauders from Alpha Pi that come down to Orlando across the stage for that next photo opportunity uh, and to celebrate that and to see together how we shift into our new opportunities as my time concludes as Grand Preetness and as their time as a full-fledged chapter kicks off again to see where that takes it takes both of us, all of us, uh, and, and where we go from there. Well, and that ceremony is is another reason for folks to consider joining us for Conclave August 1st through the 4th in Orlando. And you can learn more at teak.org slash conclave if you're interested in registering and, and coming to watch what I'm sure will be uh, that emotional moment in giving that, ch- that charter back. I mean, I'm sure Annie will be happy to have one less thing in the garage. <laughs> uh, uh, not just one, several. There, there's <laughs> deposits, there's, there's top teak chapter awards, and all sorts of stuff that uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I know uh, Annie is very much looking forward to uh, uh, getting out of the garage so that we can so she's going to get she's going to get part of her house back. And, and obviously another, uh, another thing that's going to happen at Conclave is that um, she's going to get some more time from her husband back. And so this is at the Leadership Academy here, your last official Teak event as as the Grand Preetness Teak sponsored event. Can you 
just reflect now from 2007 and, and all we walked through this morning. Can you walk through what are some of the most enjoyable moments uh, of these 12 years serving on the Grand Council? What are things that stick out to you as you reflect on this awesome experience and, and where we are right now in this moment? There are so many amazing memories that I will carry with me. Ones that I've been so fortunate to share with, you know, my, my colleagues on the Grand Council over that same 12 years, people that have gone on uh, into their post-council life and those that are, that are newer, you know, some amazing things like the acquisition of a new headquarters building and the debate that we had had at the time of, is this the right decision? Are we really going to do this? Is this really going to be the best or the worst decision we've ever made? And how that has come to play out. And that facility, I, I think you and your staff would agree, has met our needs and served us admirably. It's and amazing. It is a beautiful place. But that was and a tough decision. You made that in the middle of the housing crisis. People don't think about that now that the economy correct. has come back. It, it was a, it was a it dark was a, time. It was a special financial opportunity because the property had been available well outside our price range. We were not truly actively looking like, okay, we got to find a new headquarters, but like everyone, you consider the opportunities that are there. The CEO at the time, you know, got some information. Uh, the real estate organization came back to him and said, you know what, make us an offer. And so then it became a, just a, uh, a magnificent discussion uh, that included a number of people to see, okay, well, how would we make that happen? And then as it's come to pass, the value of the property has increased and we've, we've done amazingly well from our purchase price to, to where it is now. And the things that our organization has grown because of that opportunity. And then there's been, you know, numerous other fun, great experiences. Things that I will cherish personally are all of the charterings that I've been a part of, uh, the special events that I've been to. One in particular that stands out was, you know, this this biennium. Uh, being the new Grand Preakness and going to the 100th anniversary for Lambda chapter at University of Wisconsin. That was a very impressive and magnificent opportunity for alumni from that chapter to come together, and I was so happy to be a part of One that. One of your great friends, uh, PGP Ed Moy. That's, That's his correct. home chapter. Yes, uh, and past council member Fritz Jacoby being from there, and, and some of my fellow Leadership Academy people that I've come to know, and thinking back to a, uh, you know Leadership Academy 10 with with uh, uh, our good frauder, uh, Andy Simon, who had been you know, chapter advisor there and uh, active with that chapter for, for a number of years. And so just to see people that I hadn't seen in a while, to, to go to Madison is always a great, great opportunity. Uh, so that one really stands out as well. And then we've had council meetings that have been spread out through the country and have had uniqueness unto themselves. Just amazing things uh, that have come through. Another one that stands out was a council meeting that had been held in San Diego. It was one that I was not sure that I was going to be able to make, to be honest, because I was expecting the birth of my first daughter. She came a little over a month early, which meant that by the grace of my wife, Annie, she allowed me to go <laughs> uh, on this uh, all the way out to San Diego. So going out there, you know, having a newborn daughter at home, being a father, your perspective changes overnight and how that enhanced and uh, set me for a continued Grand Council progression what was amazing. But that meeting, there was two things that, that stand, stand in my memory. One, there was like a, um, a baby gray whale or humpback whale that had found its way into the, uh, the, the Bay Area there. And so as we had our opportunity to go out on the America's Cup yacht uh, that had been rebuilt uh, and the namesake for the America's Cup race, 
uh, that wood schooner, if I'm using the right words. We were out in that bay, and so then you, you see this baby whale, like, you know, coming up in and around the, the area and just, like, seeing and, and knowing that on the news they were like, oh, my gosh, there's this baby whale and the police boats that were trying to keep everybody away, but you don't know where the whale's going to come up. So, you know, that was a fun opportunity, but also because I remember from that meeting everyone being so congratulatory and personally invested in the fact that I had just become a new father and wanting to see pictures and saying, you know, you're on the journey of your life and really make the most of it. Uh, and as a family man, as someone that cherishes, you know, uh, the opportunities that I have to spend with my girls uh, and my wife, knowing how limited those have become as of late, that was a time that, that again, really took heart that, you know, the fraternity is about family. Our family together is Teak Nation but our families at home, families of our frauders, and the fact that we care for each other so deeply. Well, and I think you've been a tremendous champion of the family culture that we've worked to build in our organization, especially over the last, I'd say, five to six years. We've invested a lot of time and energy into that. What, what are you going to miss the most in terms of being on the Grand Council and being in those rooms and being in those meetings? And I don't know if the committee calls will be something you will necessarily uh, come to mind as the first thing you're going to miss. But what are, what are the things that you're, you're going to miss the most? Well, I, I, yeah, so, so on the latter part, I, I know I'm likely not going to miss the very late night committee calls or the crisis challenges that we have had to deal with over, over the past several years. You won't miss me calling you at random hours I, on, on weekdays. I week will miss my conversations with you oh, uh, to the extent that. That, that we have had such great conversations on routine, regular basis, but also as things have, have popped up. Those have always been great conversations. So I will miss that aspect, but certainly, you know, some of the timings of them or the emergency needs uh, at times, I will pass uh, very honorably on to, to my successors. <laughs> but I, you know, what am I going to miss? I'm going to miss the camaraderie of being in the room per se, or the the knowledge that I have a vote um, that is, is so meaningful to our organization. I'll miss the opportunity, of course, uh, concluding my time as Grand Preetness of being the one that leads and champions you know, a lot of things, and, and that has to make sure that the agenda is set and that we're stepping through thought process arrangements on things. Uh, but also, I rest fully, uh, you know, happy about the fact that there are some great people coming through the current board and, and people that are coming up and rising in the fraternity that can be considered and hopefully will, you know, raise their hand to be considered for the councils that come. I, I rest happy that I know that I'm not just content but I am fulfilled by my time as Grand Preetness and as a council member. Twelve years that I know have been long in some considerations, but the, the snap of a finger, blink of an eye in others, and knowing that I and the organization and my family and everyone that has benefited from this 12-year time period as well have all improved and have all been strengthened. So it has been a reward that has been paying me back uh, over my 12 years, one that I know I will stand on and grow from as well. And I look forward to the opportunities uh, that come. 12 years is a very long time uh, in some capacities, but, but short in others. But with the conclusion of my time as an elected member of the council, I know I have years, hopefully decades upon decades, of being a past Grand Preetness, searching for additional ways to continue to help support our organization, the Grand Councils to come, the growth of our members and of myself, and really seeing what that can mean. That is an opportunity. It's, it's a blank canvas again in a number of ways. And, and I look forward to, uh, to working through that 
uh, with my wife and my family and really seeing what that, uh, that develops and becomes. What are you most proud of? That is a tremendous question. I am proud of so many things. Uh, to say what I'm most proud of uh, would be something that I am honestly not prepared to have one thing to speak about. But one, among the things that I'm strongly and significantly proud of is is the growth of our organization as a whole in a number of ways when I'm, if I'm, if I'm looking at the fraternity as a way to answer that. The stability, the magnificent management and leadership by you, by our senior team, the people that have come to represent our organization every day. I know you guys get paid as a career to do this, but not to the extent that you deserve, naturally, but also the commitment that you make in terms of it's not something that you turn off as well in a nine-to-five job. So I, I'm extremely proud of where our professional staff organization stands. I'm especially proud of where our Grand Council has grown to be uh, in terms of the vast diversity in perspectives, demographics, and, and we're always looking to you know, continue to grow our diversity, but ways that we've encapsulated and encompassed uh, additional thoughts that challenge things. And so for me, in my, in my scientific career and the way that I carry myself, two things come true that have always worked well for me, and it's to challenge assumptions and ask better questions. And so I try to carry that and, and to instill that uh, on people in situations where it's required. And so for me, I'm proud of the fact that the Grand Council has continued to be one that has operated at the highest standards to consider best practices, to challenge ourselves, to challenge our assumptions, to not just rest on precedent, uh, and to always see what we can do to be better. And that has been a great working collaboration uh, between you and your senior paid staff, all of the staff, the council members, uh, and our volunteer core ranks that are out there, really bringing that all together. And I'm proud as well of the ways that our chapters and our collegiate men have responded to the challenges that we've uh, put forth for them. Whether or not that's the ever-challenging annual KRAs, our key result areas, that we want our groups to, to strive to achieve, knowing that they are challenges, and intentionally so, or whether or not it's you know the culture change that we're shifting to, the higher level expectations about accountability that we know we as an organization need for each other. Uh, you know, be your brother's keeper isn't just protect your secrets. It's instilling that expectation of excellence that you're going to grow and that you're going to push each other. So I'm I'm proud of all of that. So really, there's not just one thing. It, it's no, it's, it's so great. Much. I, I think it's those are a lot of great things to be proud of and to reflect upon, you know, as someone who still has that note card in their pocket with goals, um, and you mentioned it, you, you, you have a lot of time left. You're the second, you're going to be the second youngest VGP in Teak history here in, here in a few months, uh, which is, I think, a really cool accolade <laughs> to have as well. <laughs> but with that comes with, as you said, probably 50, 60 years, God willing, of opportunities. Have you given any thought to what some of those goals are going to be. Is that something as as you get out of the day-to-day and the all the responsibilities you currently have that you're you're going to sit down and reflect upon what you want to what your goals are going to be for those next 50 60 years and how you want to continue to give back to this magnificent obsession because I just I can't see Chris Hansen going away and not being engaged and involved again. Well, I will tell you so without pulling my index card out and speaking verbatim 
I know that what it says on it is that I want to be an active member of the fraternity for life. And so toward that end, you know, part of my time has been as a key volunteer or as a council member. That's been one way to meet that goal. But now I have the opportunity to shift into post-council status and to really envision, okay, well, do I, do I use everything that I have grown to learn about the organization and the connections I've made as a special committee member or returning to some sort of chapter, a volunteer or alumni association role, or do I help champion new roles? that in our alumni ranks of the fraternity still remain yet to be developed and considered. Is there something that we can get into that really would enhance the offerings that we as an organization deliver for our members uh, and not just rest again on the established precedent of what has worked in the past or what is currently working now? So that's one of the things that I look forward to is, is still finding ways to be active and engaged. I know I'm not going to disappear. I know you guys know that too. So even if I wanted to, I don't think I could get away. We do have your cell phone number and your home address, uh, at least oh, currently. I might have to change my AOL email address. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I would say that you know I, I am looking forward to the opportunities that present themselves, that um, you know I can find more time to be with family or even to commit even more to my professional career if and as that's needed but certainly to find ways to have focused efforts to continue to advance the fraternity, and that's something that will always be there. And, uh, you know, as I shift into the PGP mode uh, and join uh, the ranks of my predecessors, looking forward to growing the bonds with them and figuring out how we, uh, as a PGP cohort, uh, find ways to be meaningful together, support each other, but also support the organization and go from there. Well, you've been amazingly gracious with your time this morning with us. Can you? Are there any last messages or leadership lessons that you have for Teak Nation as we end this inaugural podcast and, and highlight an amazing career that you've had serving as a Grand Council member? I suppose I'll leave you with, with some final words that each member, uh, those of us uh, you know, in, in the elevated leadership positions, but those of us who are perhaps in chapter leadership positions, or those of us who are, you know, signing the, the scroll and becoming a member for the very first time. And that's to carry with you the ideal that, you know, again, the organization provides what you put in. And so the decision is yours. What do you want your Teak experience to be about? Not just today and tomorrow, but what do you want your Teak presence to be about? What do you want your organization to stand for? Are you helping that? personally, collectively, as a Teak Nation scale? And is there more that you can do when you're in a position to do it? Will you consider, you know, your personal needs and then come back to the fraternity if that's that what needs to happen? Will you find ways as you shift from collegiate into alumni status, for example, to be someone that's going to remember the fraternity and acknowledge that the organization gave you something so meaningful and powerful that enables you to go into the rest of your, your life stages and then to give back. Can we pay it forward, uh, sometimes quite literally, but also figuratively? Can we find ways to pay it forward, this, uh, this mentoring or the, um, the creative opportunities that were presented to you? Can you, can I, can we all find ways to continue to strengthen our beloved organization, our Talk Cap Epsilon? It's a great message. I want to I want to thank you again for, for being here this morning and opening up a little bit. It, it's a pleasure for me 
to be able to showcase and highlight a man that I've gotten to work with and gotten to know um, and grow a friendship with, especially over the last two years, all of the time that we have spent together trying to move this organization forward. And I hope that those who listen to this get a little bigger piece of, of who Chris Hansen is and how much passion and energy that you put behind the decisions and, and the love that you have for our fraternity and all that you've done. So thank you for, for the service you provided. Thank you for the service you're going to provide in the future. And I'm excited to see the the, the last three months here and these, these uh, amazing moments that are going to occur at Conklin. So oh. thank you. Well, and thank you for this opportunity to serve the fraternity, to participate in, the, in this podcast opportunity, and to be a part of something that has been so big and so profoundly impactful on me and others. So thank you. Thank you, Teak Nation. Thank you all for joining us. Hope you'll be a part of our next podcast. And Frauders, I love the fraternity.